Hello, my name is Adina Broder. Welcome to Torah Imecha Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. Today we'll be studying Sefer Chabakuk, Perak Aleph, Chapter 1. Chabakuk is the eighth prophet in the book of Treyasar, the Twelve Prophets. Most people know very little about Sefer Chabakuk. One reason is that it's just three prakim long and is only read once as a Haftorah on the second day of Shavuot in Chutz Laaretz, outside of Israel. The book of Habakkuk deals with theodicy, which is the branch of philosophy that discusses how a god can allow the existence of evil. In his Sefer, Habakkuk focuses not so much on the existence of evil, but on how evil can be permitted to thrive. Or, put more plainly, why do good things happen to bad people? In Hebrew, this is called Rasha Vitovlo. I think most of us usually think of the reverse issue, Tzadik Viralo, why bad things happen to good people. That's the subject of the book of Job, Sefer Eov. But Habakkuk addresses the issue of bad people succeeding. In particular, he's talking about the Babylonians. They're an evil empire, causing destruction and suffering wherever they go. And yet, Hashem is allowing them to flourish and prosper. Habakkuk wants to know why. The fact that this book is canonized shows that this wasn't just a question for him in his time, but it's an issue that people in all generations struggle with. Before we get into his questions and Hashem's answers, let's understand who the man Habakkuk is. Really, the only thing we know about him is the fact that he is a Navi, a prophet. We don't know his lineage or even in what generation he prophesied. So because of that, there are different viewpoints. One common view is found in Seder Olam Rabbah, which says that Habakkuk was a prophet during the time of King Menashe, about a hundred years before the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. One issue with this view is that we know that when Menashe was king, B'nai Yisrael were sinning. So it would seem surprising that Habakkuk is arguing with Hashem about injustice at a time when B'nai Yisrael were sinning so badly. Another view is that Habakkuk had been the boy that the prophet Elisha had revived years before. So you may remember when learning Malachim Bet, the second book of Kings, that Elisha stayed in the house of a Shunamite woman. Elisha gave the woman a bracha to have a son in a year's time. Elisha used the words, at which means you will be embracing a son. Based on that word, Choveket, it might be that the Shunamit woman named her son Habakkuk. This viewpoint has its share of problems as well. One is that this story with Elisha took place during the Assyrian rule. It would be surprising that Habakkuk was prophesying about the Babylonians rather than about the Assyrians. The Das Sofrim tries to resolve this issue by saying that Habakkuk was a descendant of the Shunamit woman, not her actual son, and that would put him closer to the time frame of the Babylonian rule. And there's yet a third opinion, that Habakkuk lived about 20 years before this destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash. This makes the most sense with the topic of Habakkuk's prophecy and his choice of words, as we'll see. There's one other interesting fact about Habakkuk, or possible fact. Some say that Habakkuk gave food to Daniel when Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. This would only work with the last opinion, that Habakkuk lived at the time of the Babylonian rule. Okay, so let's get into Habakkuk's prophecy and his reaction to it, 
in Perak Aleph, chapter 1. Verse 1 starts with the words, Hamasa asher chazak which means the prophecy that the Navi Chabakuk saw. The word used for prophecy in this Pasuk is Masa, which can also be translated as burden. This word is used when a prophecy is ominous, foretelling something negative, and therefore burdensome for the Navi to say. And indeed, that's the case here, where Habakkuk is shown a vision of the Babylonians inflicting punishments and suffering, not just on the Jews, but on other nations as well. In Pasuk Bet, verse 2, Habakkuk speaks to Hashem very harshly. You could even say audaciously. He says, Ad ana Hashem shiv'ati velo tishma. How long will I cry out to you, but you don't listen? If I shout to you violence, you won't save. This is very disturbing to think about. Imagine that you're somewhere and you see a crime being committed against another person. You call out to a nearby police officer to save the victim, but he willfully ignores you. That would be quite an indictment against the police officer. Well, this is what Habakkuk is saying about Hashem. He's accusing Hashem that even though Hashem sees the impending suffering and has the power to stop it, he's choosing not to. Habakkuk continues this way for several psukim. There are some, like Targum Yonason, who are so disturbed by the tone that Habakkuk uses in these verses that he changes it from an accusation to something softer, more palatable. Instead of translating the words as, Hashem, you're not intervening, he makes it a question. Hashem, why are you not intervening? And there's an important point here, which Radak brings up. Habakkuk is challenging Hashem, accusing him of not being a God of justice. But actually, Radak says, Habakkuk's accusations show the opposite. If Habakkuk didn't think Hashem was an honorable and righteous God, he wouldn't bother challenging him. If you have a corrupt government, you wouldn't bother saying to them, hey, what you just did was unfair. Of course it wasn't fair. The regime is dishonest and unethical. That's their MO. It's only when you believe that a system is equitable that you dispute a behavior that seems unjust. So Habakkuk's challenge to Hashem actually shows his amuna in Hashem as a God of justice. These first few psukim were Habakkuk's opening challenge to the issue of bad people thriving. He says that Hashem's role as God is to ensure justice but that Hashem isn't fulfilling that role. Habakkuk will come back to this argument soon, but first he raises another objection. In Pasuk Dalad, verse 4, Habakkuk says, Al-Kain tafug Torah, which means therefore Torah is weakened. Habakkuk is saying that by allowing the Babylonians to be successful, Torah observance will decline. How so? Well, let's read the rest of the Pasuk. It says, Rasha Machtir et HaTzadzik, when the wicked crowns the righteous, meaning when the wicked succeeds over the righteous, the result will be that justice will be corrupted. The Jewish people will see Babel flourishing in spite of their evil ways, or maybe even because of their evil ways. When they see the wicked getting away scot-free with their wrongdoing, they'll begin to doubt if there is actually a divine system of justice. This may cause B'nai Israel to abandon the Torah. This is similar to someone who is a model employee. He follows all the company regulations. He comes in early, stays late, etc. But then he sees someone who constantly breaks the rules and then who gets promoted. 
the good employee would likely feel foolish for having abided by the rules since that behavior doesn't seem to matter. He'll likely stop complying since it seems pointless. That's what Habakkuk is saying about the Jews. We see that Habakkuk's questions aren't simply philosophical but also practical. There are real implications when evil is tolerated and even more when evil is endorsed. As a Navi of the Jewish people, Habakkuk's concern is the effect that this will have on B'nai Israel. Habakkuk is saying that if Hashem allows evil to prosper, the Jews will likely follow in their ways. Habakkuk might be making the point that Hashem had probably intended for the Jewish people to learn a lesson from the punishments that the Babylonians would inflict on them, that they would realize that their own bad behavior led to these results. Habakkuk is saying that this is not what will happen. B'nai Yisrael won't recommit to the Torah when they see Babel succeeding. Just the opposite. They'll forsake the Torah, choosing instead to follow the Babylonians' corrupt ways. It's worth noting that in this Pasuk, Habakkuk refers to the Jews as righteous. We mentioned that he said, Rasha Machtir et HaTzadik, the wicked crowns the righteous. When saying the wicked, Habakkuk is referring to Babel. They are triumphing over the righteous, which must be referring to the Jewish people. Some point to this phrase to show that this couldn't be happening in the time of King Manasseh, because the Jews were hardly righteous at this point. A counter-argument could be made that Habakkuk was speaking in relative terms. Compared to the Babylonians, B'nai Israel were righteous. Continuing in Pasuk hey, verse 5, Habakkuk says that everyone will be surprised by Babel's success that no one would believe this if they were told. This is because the Babylonians had a sudden rise. Their conquest was not typical. They seemed like a very unlikely nation to become the world empire. The next several psukim describe the Babylonians. They are a fierce and impetuous nation. In Pusuk Zion, verse 7, Habakkuk says, Mimenu mishpato useito yetzei. From him goes forth its laws and rules. Rashi interprets this phrase to mean that the Babylonians made up their own system of laws to benefit themselves. They made edicts and decrees as a means of coercion and intimidation. They ruled by fear. Habakkuk then compares the Babylonians to wolves and leopards and vultures. Again, Habakkuk is questioning how such a nation can be allowed to prosper. In Pasuk Tet, verse 9, Habakkuk uses the term Hamas, to describe the actions of the Babylonians. Hamas has the connotation of violence and cruelty. We know that behavior that is deemed Hamas is particularly loathsome to God. In Parshat Noach, the Torah states that the reason Hashem brought the flood was because the world was filled with Hamas. Perhaps Habakkuk used this word to tell Hashem that if the Jews would receive punishments from another nation, this might cause them to self-reflect. But since the Babylonians are so much worse than B'nai Israel, and they're acting in a way that they know that God hates, it's difficult for them to accept this as rebuke. Habakkuk continues describing the Babylonians as a wicked, idol-worshipping nation. In Pasuk Yid Aleph, verse 11, he notes that when the Babylonians are successful, they say, Zu kocho leloho. This is the power of our gods. Habakkuk's point is that Babel's success perpetuates idolatry and the denial of Hashem as the true God. Habakkuk seems to be suggesting that if having Babel inflict suffering on B'nai Israel would allow people to realize Hashem's might, 
then maybe there would be some value. There would at least be a glorification of Hashem's name. But Habakkuk saying just the opposite is true. In Pasuk 13, Habakkuk goes back to his argument of Hashem standing idle in the face of evil. He says, Lama tabit bogdim tacharish, rasha tzadik mimenu. How can you look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallow those who are more righteous than them? Here, Habakkuk doesn't represent the Jews as being righteous as he did earlier. Instead, he says they are more righteous than the Babylonians. This is hardly controversial. Habakkuk continues the theme of Hashem not coming to the aid of the Jews in Pasuk 14. He describes the Jews as fish in the sea and having no ruler. Habakkuk is placing the blame squarely on God. Hashem is supposed to be watching over the Jewish people, looking out for their well-being. But instead, the Jews are like fish in the sea, or as we might say, like fish in a barrel, meaning easily attacked. Habakkuk continues this metaphor and describes how the Babylonians use hooks, trawls, and nets to attack and capture B'nai Israel. In Pasuk Ted Zion, verse 16, Habakkuk says, Al-Kain yizabeach l'charmo yikater l'michmarto. When the Babylonians are successful, they bring sacrifices and offerings to their fishing gear. The Babylonians certainly don't credit Hashem for their success, or at this point, it seems even their idols. Instead, they attribute their victories to their own efforts. Bavel seems to have sunk to an even deeper low, where they denied the existence of any higher power, choosing instead to worship themselves. Given this hubris, Habakkuk asks, how can the Babylonians be allowed to enjoy success? And this is how the parak ends. So let's do a quick recap of Habakkuk's three main arguments. Habakkuk's chief complaint is that Babel is undeserving of the success that they are enjoying. Their behavior is reprehensible and corrupt, and therefore it's unjust for them to prosper, particularly at the expense of nations who are better than they are. Habakkuk makes this argument by comparing the Babylonians to savage animals and accusing them of committing Hamas, violent and cruel acts. Second, Habakkuk contends that Hashem is being derelict in his duties as God. He is supposed to uphold a system of justice and protect his people. But instead, Hashem is turning a blind eye to B'nai Israel's afflictions. Habakkuk said things like, Hashem remains silent in the face of treacherous behavior. And Hashem is leaving the Jews vulnerable like fish in the sea. Habakkuk's third argument lays out the consequences of allowing evil to thrive. The world will become more corrupt and Hashem's presence questioned and his name disparaged. These points are made when Habakkuk says that the Torah will be weakened and that the Babylonians credit their idols or themselves for their success. This was Parak Aleph. What are some takeaway messages for us? Well, we all experience things in the world that seem unfair and inequitable. The main lesson from chapter one is that we shouldn't reject our faith in Hashem in these difficult moments. On the contrary, we should turn towards Hashem as He is the source of enlightenment. This was Parak Aleph with Habakkuk's challenges to God. In the next Parak, we'll hear Hashem's responses. Thank you for studying together. Lule Nishmas Riva Schwab, Rivka Bat Alexander Sender.